As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures, but there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Stephen Danton, current creative director and co-founder at Two Ton Studios. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Stephen. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, you know, uh, taking it easy a little bit. Uh, still recovering and, and figuring out how to sleep again after uh, shipping out to the end, but uh, overall doing really well. Yeah, shipping a game in the midst of a pandemic. We were talking about it a lot beforehand, so we're not going to wade too much into it here, but right, a very, right. very busy time for you to, and crazy, unpredictable time for you to be launching a game. So congratulations on, on that effort. Like, it's... It, I'm inspired by anyone who's been able to do anything really constructive and creative in amidst the mess that has been 2020 and the remainder and so far what we've experienced of 2021. Yeah, thanks a lot. I mean, uh, we really feel lucky that we were able to have jobs, Sarah and I, uh, you know, that allowed us to work from home, that allowed us to work uh, remotely uh, on, on a really cool thing, you know, a, a video game. And so from that perspective, it's been actually... Uh, you know, it's been a real blessing and we've, we're really grateful for that. Uh, however, shipping a game, uh, you know, with two people and we ended up doing it across multiple platforms and, uh, man, the end there last six months or so, uh, we didn't sleep much. We were kind of, you know, work all day, go to bed, roll out of bed, eat some food, do it again. Uh, Oof. so it was definitely left me a lot of work. Um, but it was a lot of fun too. So, you know, uh, and we're very proud of, of what we've done. So yeah. So all at all, the end of the day, worth it, then, right? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. I mean, we'll, we'll discuss that in a bit more depth shortly. But Super. this is Dev Diary, a series where we talk to developers from throughout the industry. They share their stories, their experiences, and the journey that's led to this current point. But Stephen, before we get to uh, unto the end and and your various, some various different kind of key points within your career so far, I'd like to rewind and kind of focus on some of your early gaming experiences. Do you... Do you happen to remember what your first, uh, what the first game was that you played, or some of the first games were that you played? Oh sure. Uh, I mean, I first got introduced uh, to gaming through uh, a, a TI ninety nine, a Texas Instrument ninety nine, which is like a console slash yeah, I know uh, one. That's computer. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, a lot of your younger viewers will probably not have, have heard of that, but it was kind of around the same time as the ColecoVision and Atari. My mom yep. actually brought it home from a flea market. Uh, I don't know if flea market is a, is a thing in Australia, but you yeah, know, like, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I think yeah. the transferable uh, I'm, I'm, sort of terminology. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and they had a bunch of like ripoff games, like, uh, uh, a ripoff of like Pac-Man and, and, and things like that. So, uh, that was kind of my first experience of gaming and, uh, you know, like a lot of kids kind of fall in love with this, uh, this presentation and this medium that is, uh, incredibly, uh, you know, you can kind of do anything with it. It's very creative. It's very immersive. Even even though if I look back at or any of us look back at those graphics, they're they're very simple. Uh, oh, for you know, sure. it kind of blows blows your mind as a kid. Uh, and then after that, you know, I played a lot of Sega games and Nintendo, like like a lot of kids that grew up in the eighties and nineties. And um, yeah, I guess always... I guess I better ask the question: Were you a Sega kid or were you a Nintendo kid in the end, or straddled a bit of both from the sounds of it? 
I was I was a Sega kid, but the, the my brother and I uh, we were you know we really were big Sega uh, Sega guys. But the the, the uh, our good friends that were around the same age as us and lived across the street they were Nintendo kids, and so we every once in a while we'd like swap consoles uh, oh, nice. to play some of the Nintendo games. So you know I got my fair share of uh, you know Punch Out and Zelda and and uh, Metroid and Mario and those kind of games. Uh, and and likewise that you know they got games like Zillion and and uh, Sonic and stuff like that from us. So yeah, okay, fun. very very well negotiated then. <laughs> yeah. Were there any as you continue to grow up? Were there any particular games or franchises, even genres that you kind of attached yourself to at all, or really resonated with you? You know, it's interesting. I, I uh, when I growing up, I, I really enjoyed uh, role playing games like Baldur's Gate. Uh, early before that time. Uh, as I mentioned, Zillion was a game that was kind of Sega's answer to Metroid. Yep. That was one of my early games uh, that really uh, sucked me in. And, and it had this kind of really, I don't know if you played Zillion, but it had this interesting puzzle kind of mechanic where you're remembering these symbols uh, and then moving through these different rooms, rescuing your friends. And, and that really was, uh, I thought it looked beautiful and I thought it was really a lot of fun. And, and, and it was more than just an action game. It was kind of strategic in, in um, kind of a different way than a lot of the games out there. Uh, games like Fantasy Star. Yep. Uh, Fantasy Star was kind of this like first, like your top view, and then you go into these dungeons, and they're like these almost like uh, first person kind of the old grid based dungeon crawler. Um, so a lot of those, and they were also a little more strategic uh, than like games like Warcraft. So played a lot of that as a kid. Kind of skipped the first person shooter genre. I played a lot of uh, GoldenEye on uh, the. Uh, Nintendo 64. But that's always but an exception kind of, to the rule when it comes to first-person shooters when you're young anyway. That's fine. I'm with you on that. Nah. So, like, the, the big rise of, like, Doom, uh, you know, Counter-Strike, all those games, I, I kind of was just busy in university and missed a lot of those. Yeah. Uh, I also missed the big areas of, like, the PlayStation 1 and 2 kind of era. Didn't play a lot of games then. And then kind of got back into gaming uh, through PC games when I got a bit older. Um, but it's interesting, like, my gaming taste used to be like Diablo and, and kind of bigger, like Blizzard games I was big into. Uh, but as I played more and more games, I tend to play more indie games. So I'm not, I know a lot of people are like super big into like, say the Halo franchise or, yep. you know, whatever. Uh, and for me, I, I've, I've kind of just like dive in and out of indie games. So like in recent memory, big games that I've, or games that I've really enjoyed that were indie. Uh, you know, I really like Below. I really like Rain World. I was a big fan of FDL. Uh, yeah, some great Light. choices. Uh, and then as a kid, like uh, similar kind of games in retrospect, games like Another World or Out of This World, Flashback, uh, uh, so things like that are, are kind of games that I really uh, enjoyed and, and remember enjoying as a kid. Yeah, a lot of games with that kind of smaller scope even back then. I yes, guess that absolutely. would be kind of your equivalent to what might be considered an indie these days. Yes, exactly. I mean, there's some fantastic choices, but um, as you kind of highlighted there, you're, you're at uni, you're doing some studies, uh, computer science at the University of Western Ontario. Um, computer science integration there, and we're gonna we're gonna delve into this stint at uh, Microsoft there, a twelve year period there where you were working as an interaction designer. Um, talk to me a little bit about that because there's there's a, dozens of patents that you're credited to there. Um, Quadrant Azure, a few key terms that people listening might be familiar with. But like, how did that opportunity to work at Microsoft? Not in a gaming capacity. We'll we'll get to games and all those sorts of things soon. Um, sure. How did that actually emerge for you in the first place? 
so I was originally a uh, politics and psychology major, and then I uh, I thought I was wanted to be a lawyer, and then I thought no, I don't really want to be a lawyer. So I switched majors uh, about three years into school, uh, and that's one All of the right. luxuries of going to school in Canada versus you know the states where uh, schooling is not cheap, but it's relatively cheap. Uh, or, yeah. or it's cheaper significantly, and I, I would imagine the same isn't true in Australia. And yeah, so that you know, let me kind of switch majors, even though I'd already spent some time there, uh, and had no experience programming at all. I, did, I I'm terrible at math. Like I actually, after finishing <laughs> university and and uh, being at Microsoft, I actually had a reoccurring nightmare for quite a while that I had to go back to Canada and redo all my math exams, or I would be kicked oh, no. out of the United States. <laughs> So that was a big choice, but I, I kind of switched into computer science uh, just to learn how to make games because I was kind of fascinated by uh, kind of the other side of gaming, not the playing side, but the, the you know, how to make them. Creation, yeah. Um, and I really, it was super hard to f- computer, learning computer science uh, and programming is, is uh, maybe not comes easy. really easy to some, but it was very, very, it had kind of had to rewire my mind. Uh, and eventually I did that, started really having a lot of fun with it. And kind of started getting uh, recognized for being, uh, you know, a decent student and joined a group at school that was this Microsoft, Microsoft technology group. Uh, and right. uh, I remember the email coming across to all the computer science students and I actually initially deleted it. So I was like, I don't want to be part of this stupid Microsoft group, you know. Uh, Nerds. <laughs> I, 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 I'm like a rebel, you know, I want to be like independent and like do Linux stuff and all, you know, yeah, that's right. big in academia, right? Um and then I fished it out of the, I don't know why really, I fished it out of the kind of the, the delete, uh, you know, uh, folder and replied to it really casually. Uh, and the guy who ran it, uh, a guy named Jimmy DeGuerre, uh, he, he, I guess he liked what I wrote and he brought me, uh, or maybe I was the only one who replied, I don't know. Uh, and he, you know, he brought me and, and another uh, undergrad into the, into the group. And that's kind of how I, I realized and got to, got to know uh, about Microsoft and what the, someone from the University of Western Ontario could even work at a place like Microsoft. Um, and uh, through kind of learning about that, I applied for an internship. Uh, first internship I didn't get hired for. Then I applied again the next year, got hired, worked on front page, which is like uh, yes, a web yep. <laughs> that some people may remember. Yeah, uh, cool. And, um, you know, and then after my internship, decided to go there full time. And uh, ended up staying there for 12 years. So, you know, Jamie and I are still really good friends. Uh, he's now at Apple, uh, but we're, we're, you know, he actually lives quite near to me, so we still stay in touch. Uh, but if I didn't reply to that original email of, of his, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, may not have, I may not have worked there, but yeah, it, uh, it kind of all fell together from there. So you obviously mentioned earlier that you kind of drifted away from games for a little while there through that kind of PS1, PS2 sort of window of time. But then you were you, you transitioned over to do computer science and to work on uh, you know work on some game related stuff. So when did your interest in games kind of prick back up again? I guess you know it's interesting. I kind of had lo- I'd lost faith faith a little bit in uh, not faith, but I'd become um, less interested in games. Yeah, uh, a lot of the AAA game <clears throat> games that were popular didn't seem like they were really for me, and I felt that making a game really required. You know, having a big studio and, and kind of selling your life to a publisher and all these kind of things. And um, wasn't until Dark Souls that I started Dark Souls that I thought, hey, these games are... My, my, some of my frustration with AAA games is they became uh, very uh, obsessed with making them uh, so anyone could play them. 
And yeah. to me, I felt growing up in 80s, 90s, games are uh, can be about that. That's great, but they don't all need to be about that. And it's okay if games are challenging and demanding and kind of more experiential than uh, just focus from a design perspective on ease of use and kind of sensational experiences. So Dark Souls was a big thing for me to say, hey, uh, you know, you can make a game that's challenging and doesn't hold your hand. Uh, and then kind of the rise of Xbox Arcade with games like Braid and, and uh, Super Meat Boy, um, as kind of these indie-ish games that, you know, were made by a small set of people, sometimes one person, sometimes, you know, two or three people. Uh, and that kind of, like, got me back into, like, hey, you know, maybe uh, maybe uh, I, I could make games too. I guess there's another thing where Windows Phone had come out and Microsoft strongly encouraged, <coughs> excuse me, strongly encouraged people inside of the company to make games or apps for Windows Phone. Yep. And uh, I did a bit of that, and you know we kind of were encouraged to do it in a, as a moonlighting gig. So I did a couple very small games on that. Actually, I had, I had one game called Ninja Boy that was the uh, number two app on the whole phone game or app, uh, and That's it was the number bad. one game for a while. So that was kind of cool. I mean, the Windows phone install base is, is a fraction of, say, the Apple iPhone uh, yep. install base, but it was still kind of a, a cool thing to do. And Hey, rating high on the charts is still rating high on the charts. It doesn't matter how many people. Still impressive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's kind of how I how I got into it and, and got sucked back into it, I guess. And so obviously that was, you were, you were well into your stint at Microsoft at that particular point. So you're doing a little bit, as you said, you were just kind of moonlighting on the side there while still working for Microsoft. And and again, there's there's all these accomplishments, all these do, like dozens of patents. There's Quadrant, I'm mostly focused on Quadrant there, but you're a concept architect for, for the Microsoft Azure portal. Um while you're working on all those things and you've as you said you've moonlighted a little bit in games when when did you maybe first start considering that maybe getting getting into games in a like a full-time professional capacity might actually be a viable option for you or something you'd potentially consider you know it's hard to say i I think uh the microsoft azure stuff um i that was a project that um really had a ton of scope. Like the, the thing we were trying to do, uh, me and a small team, we're, we're really trying to rethink Windows um, uh, in, a, in a kind of a more professional capacity and, and take on a bunch of different challenges. And after I'd finished that, I kind of felt like, well, there's not much else, there's not much more like, you know, room, you know, headspace above that. Like trying to yeah. think about Windows in a new way is, is a pretty big project. I was really proud of uh, the things we came up with and, and uh, kind of the ideas that come out of that. And I, I started after that, I guess, success, uh, you could say, or at least uh, effort to, to try and do something bold and different. I started thinking like, hey, maybe there's something else I can do. I'd already been there 10 years. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of put aside my dreams of making games in a, in a full-time capacity. Uh, and, and that was really kind of having done that, having been there for 10 years, Having seen kind of a rise of some indie game success, I started thinking more seriously about trying to make indie games. Um, yeah, I think I, there wasn't any one big like, you know, I, I didn't uh, hit my head on a toilet seat or something like Scott Brown <laughs> and then have this revelation. But it, it was kind of a culmination of those different events uh, that... that um, and again, know, I guess paired of... with what you were discussing before with the, the market kind of change as well and the, the indies yeah. that were starting to surface and the Dark Souls model and all those sorts of things exactly all those things kind of came together uh and it was just a at first it was very much an experiment like i don't know if this will work 
But you know, we've kind of done that. My my uh, wife Sarah, who and you know worked on under the end, we did under the end together. Um, she she was running an interior design business, uh, and you know she she kind of had had some success there, and she also was looking to try to make a change that helped. Uh, we don't have kids, so you know that I think for people that have started a family that that decision gets a lot harder if you decide to kind of like quit your jobs sure. and sell your house and decide to make video games. So that uh, was something we were able to, we were able to make that decision uh, without having to fa factor that in. And so uh, all those things together, I think came to uh, lead us to, you know, the decision we ended up making. Was it, ch and obviously I guess Sarah would have been considering the same sort of things being established in a profession at that point. You were, you were quite established at Microsoft. You'd accomplished a lot. Uh, I'm sure there was probably a lot of potential opportunities still ahead of you there um, within Microsoft and within the system that you were currently at, but you you chose to leave. Was there, was there a lot of umming and ahhing about it in the end or but when all these things had kind of come together and all the things that we just discussed, they all started to kind of, I guess, gnaw away in the back of your mind. Was it a very yeah. clear and obvious decision for the both of you or did it really take a while to kind of work through it? It really did take a while, it, it, yeah. It, and and Microsoft, the job I had at Microsoft, you know, I often think back, like if I, if I went up to fifteen year old me, you know, on the playground, whatever, and said, "Hey, this is what you're going to do in twenty years or whatever," uh, you know, I would have said, "Sign me up." That sounds fantastic. So it really was a dream job. I worked with some great people, got to work on some great projects, uh, and everyone I talked to with a few exceptions, but most people were like, you're nuts. Why would you do that? That's ridiculous. You know, uh, why don't you just do games for fun on the side? Uh, you know, uh, it's not, it's, why, why go all in? You don't have to do that. And, and Microsoft was well, it'd, it'd pretty, be terrifying. It's a big risk. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was tough. I think there were kind of like some inspirational quotes were kind of like, if you don't jump, you'll end up standing still your whole life or something nice. to that effect. And, you know, we, we kind of read a lot of those. And, um, yeah, not having kids actually factored in quite heavily of like, okay, well, uh, let's do these things. Let's take, take these bold, make these bold decisions uh, and, and, you know, get, you know, get as much out of life as we can, you know, with, with uh, you know, the, the opportunities that we've been given uh, and just give it a try, really. And so that kind of more than anything uh, pushed us over the edge. But yeah, it was a tough decision. Uh, there's, there's days I wake up and I think, what the heck did I do? Uh, but for the most part, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think I've really enjoyed it. Sarah and I really enjoyed it, but yeah, it's definitely a tough position decision. And, um, yeah, it's still not even clear cut that it was the best decision to make, but, uh, we've definitely learned a lot and, and enjoyed a lot of, uh, the process after that decision. So. Oh, fantastic. Well, I mean, yeah, you can never really know at the time and I'm sure it was, I'm right. sure it was a terrifying prospect, but, um, I guess, you you crunched like cr crunched some numbers. I'm guessing you you know really sat and analyzed as much as you possibly could, and you really felt that was the best decision for the both of you, and you made a fantastic game out of it. So thanks. I, um, I think the thing was more like we. I tend to uh, like Sarah and I are at you know at our core are artists, and uh, I as a user experience designer, I I spent most of my trying time at Microsoft trying to craft experiences, and so I think we kind of felt like games, and still feel this way. The games are kind of the ultimate experience design challenge uh, and still feel there's a lot of room for games to, to uh, improve in that regard. Uh, and so I think that was like the biggest thing that rather than saying like in terms of number crunching or the pros and cons, it was like, Hey, this feels like a really great opportunity to go push ourselves as designers and artists uh, and, and see, you know, can we, can we make something that we think is interesting and 
Uh, and then, you know, even, even beyond that, other people think is interesting too. Did you have any little contingencies in place for, for either one of you, just, just in case things either didn't work or, or, or whatever? You know, was there an opportunity to, uh, I don't know, did Microsoft say, hey, come back anytime if you like, or a similar sort of <laughs> thing for Sarah? Did you have any of those sort of things in mind, or was it just a bold step and what will be will be sort of mentality? Right, yeah, a little bit of the latter. I mean, uh, we, we had saved some money, so we kinda, and we budgeted uh, very carefully. So that we kind of had these points of no return and like these things we needed to accomplish, uh, it, both in terms of the thing we were making and also the kind of reception we were getting. And so, you know, if we didn't cro- get those thresh, reach those milestones or cross those thresholds, uh, then we would we would kind of make different decisions. Uh, but our joke has always been like, well, we can always live in Sarah's parents' basement. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's how we'll kind of like we'll reboot from there, kind of in thing. case of emergency. Uh, so- yeah, so we didn't really have much of uh, much of a backup plan. We just kind of uh, left, I guess. So talk to me about you, you've, you're starting the studio. You're planning to start the studio at this point. There's lots of sayings out there about uh, mixing work and family. <laughs> what was that like for the both of you? Did you kind of work two separate professions, quite quite distinct ones, uh, previous yeah. to that, and then all of a sudden you're both working together. Um, what was that like in terms of adjustment? And I guess even re- maybe recognizing, like just on the day to day sort of level, even recognizing. We're, we're both working on the same thing here and we need to be able to find times to be able to step away from that and enjoy life as a married couple as opposed to work colleagues and all those sorts of things. Like, What was that like trying to find the, the balancing act? Because there's not that many people out there. I mean, I just in my total little bubble of my life, I, I don't know too many people who, you know, whether they're married or a couple or whatever the case is, that are working the same, the same job or the same profession or whatever it is. They, they are working two different career paths and so i guess that creates a more natural separation at the end of the day you're able to step away a little bit but when you're both passionate about the same thing you're both working on the same thing maybe recognizing the boundaries of work hours and all those sorts of things can maybe be a bit more of a challenge what was that like for the both of you yeah it was it was tough i mean i won't won't lie there was definitely some some things to learn uh i think the uh hardest thing that you you kind of underestimate you you know it a little bit but you don't know it for sure until you do it and that is that you work on something and then, uh, you know, your partner, this person that you love and, and really value their opinion, tells you like something you, you think is great or at least something you put a lot of energy into just isn't good enough. And so those, yeah, those right. moments are like, you know, really heartbreaking at first. Uh, and, and it's, you know, you're pretty emotionally raw uh, in, a, in a number of ways, right? You're put a lot into this, you're taking a big risk, you're often doing it while you're tired. Uh, and so that was something we kind of had to get past and and just kind of there's no real trick to it other than like look uh you know it when that feedback comes it's for the benefit of the project uh and it actually you learn or at least we learned that it's in fact essential that you get honest feedback without all the fluff and like extra kind of candy coating that you uh often get at a workplace because yep. you know you you have all these other things tied up with it a bit more brutal. you can actually be yeah you can be much more efficient right you can just say look that's not good enough and we ended up just having this rule, like if we both don't love it, then it's not good enough. And, uh, you know, that, like that actually help, helps make things a lot easier. Uh, and then, you know, in terms of like balancing life with work, uh, it's it's good that we both have complementary skills with work in the sense like we both kind of like attacking uh, problems from slightly different perspectives. Um, like Sarah's a much better editor and I'm kind of a much better maker, like I'm generate a lot of stuff and Sarah's much better at winnowing it down. And then we both like to get outdoors. So, 
you know, if, if Sarah, I think, was a person who, like, loved to unwind by um, sitting in front of, on the couch and, like, watching lots and lots of TV, but I'd love to get outside, uh, you know, and that, that may have created weird dynamics between us. Or if Sarah was, like, we, to get away from technology, uh, you know, it's okay for us to be alone together and kind of be out in nature and stuff together. If Sarah yeah. was, for example, really wanted was a really big per people person and need to be around people, whereas I needed to be alone, that would have made it harder. But we kind of have a enough things in, in common and we the way we recharge, uh, whether it's together or separate, is, is kind of very similar. Uh, and oh, so I fantastic. think that made it a lot easier. Uh, and so when we were working on the game, we, we were traveling a lot of the time. We spent some time in Europe. We spent some time in um, South America. And we would, uh, we would kind of tack on the calendar like, okay, we're going to go to Patagonia for a week. We're going to go to, you know, northern Chile. We're going to go, you know, take a drive through France or whatever. Uh, and we lived very cheaply. I mean, like, most of the time I was rolling out of bed and, like, literally standing in front of my desk when I got out of bed. Yeah. And okay. then, you know, you'd, you'd be working. So we weren't we weren't living, uh, you know, uh, a really uh, gullible Lots of lifestyle. But, yeah, but, but you know, uh, we were able to balance that with getting outside and doing these things. And, and we'd work hard and then we'd go and enjoy nature and the great thing about nature is it's free for the most part you know if you can pay for a ride there uh, and then it's you know it's not that expensive to just take in views and kind of uh take in nature so that, just that worked out exactly yeah that really worked out in our favor and uh i think ultimately allowed us to kind of get through like any creative process right and any any can be a small project over a weekend or you know a big project over multiple years there's there's times you doubt yourself there's kind of times you're not sure if you want to continue and, and being able to kind of get out and recharge in a similar way really helped us I think but and I guess though in those moments when yeah things do get a little bit more challenging for for whatever reason I mean we've spoken that you know and a lot of people yeah do, do throw that whole don't mix work and relationships and those sort of things but I'd imagine in some of those sort of circumstances having a colleague but who also happens to be your wife is in terms of like having a support mechanism must be fantastic yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Things get a really challenging. Really... You can really just open up a hundred and ten percent versus maybe another colleague in some other some other circumstance where you might hold a little bit back. That's absolutely right, and you you really have that shared. I mean, I imagine it's like uh, going through any kind of a, a shared challenge with you, people. Talk about war and and you know, or even playing on a sports team together or whatever. Uh, you know how how galvanizing that experience can be, and I think that's very true for for Sarah and I. And, and you can really intimately understand each other's. Uh, perspective on things and uh, definitely be there to support each other uh, and you know that is really unique and really special we're really grateful that that has worked out for us uh, and you know uh, I know for some other people it doesn't and uh, nothing wrong with that really it, it is kind of we're just lucky in that regard I think so no that's fantastic and really fortunate and I think there's a lot of people very envious of the two of you in terms of the, <laughs> the dynamic you've been able to create within that working space so oh, we, we've danced around it a little bit so far. We've spoken about, you know, doing work and all those sort of things. But the work, the project was unto the end, which hopefully a lot of people listening are familiar with. came out late last year um, across many a platform. Did you have the idea in mind for the game from a fair way out? Like, was it something that was kind of bubbling in the back of your mind when you left Microsoft? Or was this something that kind of developed a little bit later on? Did you, did you have any sort of, was there any seed there? that became that game bubbling in the mind from an early point? Uh, not really. You know, we actually tried, I mean, I guess to some degree, uh, but we ended up, I think we made about seven or eight different prototypes of games. Uh, most of them to about like, hey, you can play 30 minutes of this thing. 
before getting uh, to Under the End, which was originally called North. Uh, and then we changed the name because there was another indie game that got released that used the, the name North. Um, oh, and I, I think we had yeah, a, another one. You know that one, yeah. We had a loose inspiration of like, hey, let's kind of capture the feel and mood of Dark Souls, but we don't want to copy and paste the Dark Souls mechanics. Yeah. Uh, we felt if we're going to do something in 2D, that we wanted to make it uniquely 2D. We wanted to have kind of uh, make the most out of 2D in terms of the combat system the way you explore spaces, the way we use lighting and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of the kernel. And then we spent a heck of a lot of time just trying to figure out, you know, what, what the heck that thing could be and, and, and couldn't be. So there's many, many months of trial and error. Um, yeah, so I think we kind of took our time to get there. Uh, one thing I've heard from other de game devs, especially indie devs, is that when you're working on something uh, it takes a while for your skills, your technical skills uh, and technique uh, in terms of art and animation to get up to the kind of the, to catch up yeah, to your imagination. Yeah. yeah. And so like, there's kind of a famous thing of Phil Fish who made Fez, who like was doing all the pixel art on it. And like two years into it, he ended up like starting all over again, all the pixel art again, because his pixel art skills has got so good that his art, the st stuff he started with looked terrible. And the stuff he was currently doing looked like it was a different artist. And so, you know, you have those moments, too, uh, that you have to kind of, um, yeah, you end up just iterating a lot uh, until you can get to a, a place where uh, having a cohesive style and having a cohesive kind of uh, a feel to the game uh, can be achieved. So, No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, I mean, it's a, it's a creative medium, so there's constantly going to be iteration and improvement in skill sets and all those sorts of things. And I guess there's a... There's a tipping point where like, okay, we, we might need to rework some things here that were maybe good for the time and the best we could do at the time, but we've improved so much. Right, right, absolutely, yeah. Unto the end, was that... So we obviously mentioned the end, like there was, a, there was a kernel of something from an early point. Did you find yourself entertaining other ideas for other games at any stage or was this a very clear vision that you were consistently working towards the whole time? Yeah, pretty much uh, this was the thing. Although, as I said, there was kind of bits and pieces of you know, we, we, so big ideas were like, we wanted to have this unique combat system that kind of captured uh, what we felt, at least, the feeling of being in a fight, uh, being um, a little bit like Punch-Out, the old NES game, yep. being the underdog, really relying on your skills to overcome things rather than, um, you know, magic or levels or super uh, weapons or anything like that. Um, and then uh, we wanted early on to have this idea of you having, you know, being able to, to not fight, uh, to be able to get around encounters um, and challenges without having to actually use your sword or, or kill anything. And, um, you know, that we kind of did in different phases and figured out ways to kind of uh, integrate that into the experience. And they're actually really proud of the fact that, uh, you know, in the, in the version that finally got out there, you know, you can make it through the entire game without killing anything if, if you want. Uh, or you can choose to fight everything that you see. And um, that was that was important to us on a number of levels. We really wanted to kind of have a commentary on fighting in games and kind of the get, killing in games is ha handled very casually. It's oh, just kind man, of like something absolutely. we accept. Like, oh, you know, Mario just killed, you know, a thousand turtles and no one cares that, you know, <laughs> uh, he did that. And, and uh, you know, Mario does it very innocently. Other games do it much more overtly and, and kind of, uh, amp it up, you know, the dial well past 11. Um, and yeah, so anyway, we wanted to have a commentary on like, hey, you're a father and you're trying to get back to your family. And what would it be like to be on this journey? And 
facing these creatures and, and uh, you know, would you choose to kill all of them? Do you see everything as an enemy? Uh, you know, how would you role-play uh, this character? And so th those are the things that to us make games really unique and special, that you have agency over the experience. Uh, and so getting that into the experience early on, uh, you know, from the early, early stages was very important to us. So those are the two big things. No, that, that's really fascinating, especially, I mean, the, the scope and I guess the, uh, the, the financial side of things obviously differ, but like there's, there's a lot of parallels there between, in terms of what you just described between the game and say something like The Last of Us, for example, in terms of that setting, like your father trying to, and obviously, you know, Joel's not quite the father to Ellie in, in the, the original Last of Us, but there's that sure. fatherly role and they're, they're trying to, there's a similar sort of, I guess, surface level sort of idea there, but the, the total contrast is that you pretty much... Uh, pretty much have to you know use some form of combat to get through almost every sequence in the last of us not a hundred percent but the majority um versus what you've just described here and what i felt when i was playing the game as well um was that i could come at this a million different ways and oh well and combat didn't have to be my default sort of approach now certainly there was a few where i i got myself into a bit of a mess and all of a sudden I, the only way i was getting out of this thing was by fighting my way out but right um I also realized, especially doing some research after the fact, that I could have managed it a lot better and I could have been successful in kind of negotiating my way through this thing without having to raise a sword, but I stuffed it up and here I am having to fight right. for my life. And I, I really appreciated yeah. that, after, especially after the fact when I went and did a little bit of research into what I could have, could have done, how things could have played out. So I really applaud what you, what you both achieved with that. Well, thanks so much. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we... I have some like I have some family members that um, uh, work in, in professions that uh, you know a lot of the people struggle with PTSD and, and kind of the the um, side effects of, of uh, dealing with uh, I guess the, the the less pleasant side of, of humanity you know and, and yep. uh, you know th that is something that we imagined you know if you were uh, a warrior and you had to you know, uh, there's not it's not we're not trying to say fighting or killing is is bad you know in the sense of protecting yourself and and you know trying to to uh, achieve things and, and that sometimes things do come to to a point of conflict uh but we wanted to uh have the the uh the opportunity for you to to uh try out different things uh and some of those things are obvious and some of them are less obvious and to us that's that's what that's life right like not every time you you come to a point of tension does the the other person like you know wave pull a out a gun and... or, or <laughs> yeah. yeah put a put a sign up and say please don't you know i i'm willing to trade with you rather than fight you uh and um yeah that that was important for us we i often tell people we spent 18 months designing the combat system and making it fairly robust and deep so that when you chose not to fight it actually had more meaning um and uh i love that, it that, that was the hope at least so that, that's good to hear that uh that made that made sense to you and landed for you yeah, and yeah, like I said, it was really in, in retrospect when I was kind of sifting through, I guess, you know, a few YouTube videos or whatever the case might have been after I'd finished or in a couple of circumstances where I'm like, I don't think I necessarily, uh, I, think, I think the thought at the time was I don't think I necessarily did that right. But as we've mm. kind of discussed, there's not necessarily a right or wrong for any of these circumstances. Right. But certainly feel like that could have gone differently. And doing the research afterwards and going, oh, yeah, it absolutely could have. And this one decision that I made here made all the difference. Um, was really, right. really fascinating to me, and as I said, I really, I really applauded. I had a great time playing the game. 
Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. And it, I don't know if you, it, this is kind of a spoiler, and I won't say anything if you don't want any spoilers, but uh, I'll kind of preface this, and you can edit it out, I guess, after. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, listeners, you're getting stuff. a big spoiler warning here, so maybe tune out for the next, I don't know, 30 seconds to a minute or so if you're concerned about spoilers for until the end. So uh, if you finish the game twice, you, you wake up on the third, twice consecutively, wake up on the third time as an old warrior, and you're kneeling by the tree you start in. And when you start in that mode, your, your wife and daughter don't come out to say, see you off. Uh, and what we were intending when we were designing the game is that you really are this old warrior the entire time. Uh, and the two previous runs through the game are you reflecting on your life and considering oh. different decisions you made or didn't make and how, how kind of you went through uh, you know, this journey. And then you kind of set off again on the journey uh, and play through it again. And, and But ultimately, we were trying to... Uh, and you get a different ending for that. Uh, and you get, there are three endings throughout the game. But we wanted to kind of have that moment where, uh, or have that idea of like, what would an older warrior looking back on their life think? And, and how would they imagine themselves and maybe misremember themselves uh, in, in, in certain ways, uh, 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 you know, in a, in a journey they took when they were younger. So that was, that was kind of the overall idea of things. I mean, I didn't play through it three times, but or up to a third time, but... That right. makes me appreciate what I did play even more with that little bit of knowledge in the back of my mind. And spoilers for everyone listening. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of the design itself, like things are, and I don't mean this in sort of some nasty derogatory way. There's like a there's a minimalism and, and a simplicity to the way that the the game looks and feels to play that I really really appreciated as well. Like it, there's there's not systems upon systems upon systems. There are some very distinct systems, and as we mentioned before, you can kind of opt in or out of combat. You said you spent 18 months designing the combat only to allow <laughs> players to not engage with the combat if they so uh, so desired, or the circumstance kind of dictated it. But everything was just so straightforward and accessible, and I really just kind of when I was playing, I just thought this is very simple. I just need to watch and react. That was kind of my approach to the whole thing and i appreciated the fact that it didn't i didn't have to factor in skill trees and you know nodes left right and center and as you mentioned like rpg systems and leveling all those sort of things i just had to focus on the moment process what was going on and and make a decision or if i was in a combat scenario look at what's happening and and react to that and not try and get too carried away with all these other things that I often find myself getting carried away with in many other games. So what was that like in terms of, I assume that was a real core concept underpinning a lot of the work that you were both doing. What was it like trying to maintain that and ensure that you're not getting too carried away and throwing the kitchen sink at a, at a given scenario? Right. It was uh, terrifying to be honest. I mean, we've got knocked in some reviews. Like people are like, why doesn't this have a health bar? Why doesn't, you know, this, why don't we have more tips and stuff like that? And so we kind of, you know, it, it's it's almost funny when you read those because uh, hopefully the, the, the reviewer could could understand that we know what health bars are. It would have been easier for us to add health bars and pop-ups oh, sure. and stuff like that all over the place and, and widgets and signs and stuff. But we felt we would have been robbing people uh, of those aha moments uh, and the immersion of like, you know, not being distracted by, by extra paraphernalia. So uh, we, we always try to... Uh, layer anytime we, we had an interaction where you kind of had different uh, ways of reading it we tried to layer different things on top of it so it was like gestures from or animations from the creatures you're interacting with often there's uh well in all cases we have to understand something there's also additional stuff in the background uh that is kind of hints hints at things 
uh, and I, I won't spoil anything there, but like there's, yep. there's always like clues and kind of the, how objects are arranged or things that are missing and stuff like that. Uh, with the character uh, himself, you know, like he doesn't have a health bar, yes, but he has, you know, he has blood on himself, he has different postures, he has different breathing, uh, they're pretty deliberate animations when he's really in trouble. Uh, and we try to hint at things through the item descriptions. So we really overall tried to say, hey, um, if you're paying attention, if you really take the time to kind of turn the lights out and focus on the game for two, two to you know, four hours, uh, you know, we're going to reward you for that focus. And it turns out that focus is exactly the thing you need and, and observational skills are exactly the thing you need to succeed at combat or to not engage in combat. And so we try to kind of have this loop in our design thinking of like every every decision we make is there to make you a better player if you take the time to kind of buy into a couple different fundamental things like taking your time being observant uh, staying calm and we try to capture that kind of in the opening text uh description that we we put there yep. um you know and all there to to really reward the player uh and, and make them succeed uh like little things we did uh which was hard to to kind of be okay with is you know like when you roll off a ledge you'll fall and you'll you'll drop your sword and stuff like that or yep. you'll roll into a wall uh or if you know you get hit from behind you'll drop your sword and so uh those things can be frustrating moments they're also unexpected in the game like in games like dark souls for example you can't drop your weapon uh but we did those things because positioning patience staying calm uh you know be, being deliberate with your actions are the things you need to succeed as you go on. So sure, you can brute force your way and fight an enemy 50 times and, you know, maybe you get through them. But uh, if you kind of, uh, if you take a step back and take a breath and think about what the game's trying to say to you, uh, we are trying to make you successful uh, in a subtle way, in a, in a non kind of like pop-up the way combat. Yeah, this is the way combat works. And, you know, the same was carried through with our tutorial, quote unquote, like that's a, it's a, it's a moment that you opt into as a player. Yep. Uh, you know, we didn't force that on you. Um, and, and all those decisions were really there for the experience, for you to feel like you have agency over things, for you to have those aha moments on yourself, uh, 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 you know, of your, uh, through your own uh, skill and observations and, and uh, patience and, you know, whatever you want to say about it. But yeah, it was all very, very deliberate. And we, we very consciously didn't do a lot of things that, you know, maybe other games have done and, and uh, would be considered quote unquote, good design, uh, you know, by some people, but we felt those good uh, traditional design things. Yeah. Traditional design. That's a better word. Uh, they detract, they, de they detracted from the uh, experience we were going for being like, it's, it sounds maybe weird, maybe too lofty, but we really wanted to capture this experience. Uh, the experience of the father, we wanted the player to feel that we wanted the yeah. player to feel alone, unsure, overmatched, sometimes lost. Um, you know, like there's a lot of moments where you like push through kind of a black area, you know, to get to a new room. Uh, and we, you know, we did that very consciously so that as humans, you know, we're not comfortable with not being able to see in the dark or see the character we're controlling. And we wanted that little bit of like fear that you had to push through, uh, you know, on our sound designer, uh, Francesco Meglio, like we layered sounds on top of things when you were, the foreground was occluding you, the breathing gets different. Like we did a lot of subtle stuff there to kind of make you feel as much as we could in a, in a game like Under the End, uh, we make you feel like the father. So uh, it's, it's great to hear that that landed for you. I know for some people they, they think we're, we're crazy and nuts, <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was very conscious and um, yeah, we worked really hard on those things.
Well, I mean, the, the phrase you hit on a few times through that was the whole like keeping calm. And that was the one right. thing that I struggled to do at times. And, that, and like, <laughs> yeah. as I mentioned before, that like I, I'd make that one mistake or whatever it is. And all of a sudden I'm looking down the barrel. Well, I think this is now going to have to be a combat, uh, yep. an instance of combat here. And so keeping calm. In the, and, and as we discussed, like there is traditional design and whether it's, whether it's a whole bunch of heads up displays or any of those sorts of things that kind of help guide and steer, they weren't a feature here. I didn't have any outside of, as you said, there was some subtle environmental things that might kind of nudge you in a certain way or kind of give you some sort of hint as to how you might want to progress. For the most part, it was me and a little bit of gut intuition, I felt. And um, I'd make those mistakes every now and then and all of a sudden the panic had come right. <laughs> just <laughs> flooding and rushing through me. And I mean, I feel like that's incredible design. Well, thanks. I, I really appreciate that. It, it really vibed with me and it, it was a nice change of pace in that respect as well because everything else had everything oh sorry i shouldn't say everything uh, the majority of games don't go for that sort of vibe and you know they are kind of rooted in a far more traditional system where there are systems in place that show you these things that tell you these things all the time and they're good they're great in a lot of cases but absolutely it, it was a really nice change of pace and i really really appreciated that Great, thank you. I, I, that means a lot. Uh, yeah, Sarah and I put a lot into it. And, you know, to be honest, that that's kind of as an indie. Um, but, you know, you, you have more freedom because you don't have, you know, hundred millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases riding on things. But also, uh, you know, it's kind of like our job, isn't it? To kind of push things and, and do things a little bit differently and, and maybe, uh, you know, give slightly different experiences than... Uh, you know, you may have you may have had otherwise. So yeah, you're an indie. Absolutely. That's the job description, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. Now you, we have obviously just spent a lot of time in terms of kind of some handhold, like discussing that idea of handholding and what what you were shooting for in the game there. But one thing I did note as I was kind of combing through and doing a little bit of research for for this interview today is I did notice the combat handbook on the website, which which yes. does actually spell a lot of things out for people. What was the thinking in that regard it is for anyone who's not seen it um it's really comprehensive um incredible detail there for for people it kind of outlines how how a lot of these systems work and even a few of these encounters themselves what was the thought process behind that given given the core design of the game yeah then kind of saying so much through the handbook there what was what was the the logic there I think, uh, I mean, there's a number of things. One, one I think that uh, I grew up in an era where uh, you had instruction manuals and like sometimes you'd read them and sometimes you wouldn't. The and glory it was okay days to kind of, describing Yeah, the, exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm it was okay to, Yeah, it was okay to have that and have the, the creator's word uh, and opinion on, you know, how the game was designed and why it was designed certain ways. So that was definitely a motivation. I think that um, although we had around 10,000 people through our demo, uh, and the demo is, you know, some of the hardest fights in the game are in the demo. Yeah. Uh, I, I was surprised by some of the confusion, not surprised, but I was, it was interesting to see some of the confusion, uh, over the combat system. I think a lot of people, uh, assumed it was just Dark Souls in 2D. Uh, and so there, there was kind of a, a motivation to say, you know, Hey, we, we actually did think about this stuff. Uh, we, you know, there, this is here for a reason and here's how to wrap your head around it. Uh, and so that was another side of it. And then there's just the... Uh, you know, to, to, to gaming at large and other game designers uh, that are interested in doing uh, combat games. You know, I um, there's a guy named Jason DeHarris that does a lot of yes, really Jason's awesome Twitter threads. Yeah, like uh, you know, he does, spends a lot of time breaking down like why does the camera work this way or why are, he did a recent one on controllers and 
uh, you know, uh, I, I like those. I've learned a lot from those. Um, I'm sure other people have as well. And it's kind of another kind of being a part of an, being a, a game designer and I guess an indie to a degree is giving back a little bit. And so that was another motivation to, you know, to detail things out for other, uh, other people to see. And, and maybe if, if uh, you know, if it works out, they, they take something from it and make a, a better game than at the end. Yeah, I mean, Jason does some fantastic work in terms of what he shares there. I don't even create games, and I feel like I've learned so much from those right, right. those tweets. They're, they're big, long, really comprehensive threads, and I, so I can only imagine anyone who's actually in the craft would take an unbelievable amount from those. This is He's no mug. I mean, if, if anyone's kind of followed Jason's work, I mean, his most recent project was Jedi Fallen Order, and everyone yep. kind of lords the combat in that. Like It's 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 fantastic. There's, there's a lot that we can take from what he has to has to share and impart with people. So I'm sure it was really valuable for you as well. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a great thing about, uh, for the most part, about uh, the game industry and, and uh, you know, making a game is is getting to meet other game designers, other uh, uh, artists in, in the game space, uh, and how, for the most part, they're very open. And uh, I spent a lot of time helping other game devs with games. Uh, and, you know, they also uh, are, are very interested in, in uh, you know, helping helping us and, and giving us notes and sharing things and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely a great part of, of being kind of in this industry and, um, uh, you know, being able to connect with people and, uh, and share different ideas and, and kind of share experiences and stuff. So, yeah, there's that give and take and, and, um, paying it forward and all those sorts of things that are really, yeah. really important in, in an industry like this. And it, it's great that, everyone for the most part is so unbelievably open with their with their resources with their knowledge with their experiences so one thing that i'd love to pick your brain about and we touched on it at the very beginning of the show you managed to launch a game in 2020 yeah <laughs> firstly yeah well no i've already i've already said this but congratulations again on that thank you what were those last i don't know six months or so like as you you know where the pandemic is obviously well and truly underway at this point in time did you did you know that 2020 was really still on the cards for the release? So what what happened to the development of the game at that point? Obviously, you know, the two of you were working the game together, which is a luxury that not necessarily a lot of other people have. Like all the all the key parties are in the same house, but um, what was that like in terms of designing and preparing and planning to then launch in the craziest year that I I'd like to think Touchwood any any of us will ever have. Right. Uh, well, it was it was it was nuts. Uh, you know, I, I uh, it was a lot of work. Uh, there were lots of questions in terms of like uh, whether it was the right time to ship or not. Uh, it's still not sure it was the right time uh, to release. You know, we were done with the game July ish. Okay, right. And so the kind of the final stretch was uh, getting the game ported, which was uh, all sorts of fun. <laughs> and, yeah, it uh, presents its challenges. Uh, yeah, and then testing, you know, getting the final testing passes in. Uh, you know, there's there's over 100 decisions you can make along the way through the journey, and testing all of those uh, is no joke. Uh, you know, we uh, we had um, we had a lot of late nights of testing things and fixing things. And, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, it's all honestly like a little bit of a blur, and I think I need to ship another game to know. Uh, I think I, we could do it differently and better. Uh, but I, I think we need to do that before I really have the proper perspective to on reflect, what this yeah. one was all about. But uh, yeah, definitely it was, you know, 12 plus hour days, seven days a week, 
uh, near the end, like things weren't working on different platforms. It was like staying up all night, getting up early in the morning, uh, just really living, eating, breathing, uh, game dev. And, uh, you know, having a lot of great encouragement from fans, uh, you know, people on Twitter, people that played the demo. Uh, we had some great journalists uh, that were really behind us, uh, some magazines that kind of really were excited about it. Some industry guys that I really respect that were really excited for the games. And so uh, that, that helps. kind of fueled us, you know, and made us think like, hey, this is worth it. Uh, we can sleep <laughs> after we get it out the door. Um, but of course, once it's out the door, then you have all that another set of things to do, like engage with players, which is one of the most rewarding things uh, I've, I've experienced, being able to drop in on a Twitch stream of someone playing your game. And say, hey, I, you know, I made this game. Uh, you know, if you have any questions, let me know. And and uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, but that, that's a full time job as well. Yeah. Uh, and we spent, you know, and I still spend time doing that, uh, even though it's seven months now, it's almost eight months since we've shipped the game. So, yeah, it's a ton of work. Uh, I th I think I need to do it again, as I said, to get more perspective. It was definitely hard not being able to to uh, recharge with family and friends. Uh, writing the credits of the game was actually incredibly emotional. Like all those people that we thanked are, you know, like uh, my brother and like my best friend growing up and my brother and I's best friend growing up and like people that really like meant a lot to us and helped us uh, through the process, uh, either uh, in a professional capacity or in a, just a personal capacity. And so that was, that's, you know, when you're tired and you put in all this work, those, those are pretty emotional, right? Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, but, but also like, you know, we're really glad that we have those people around us. Uh, and COVID makes that harder because you can't you can't go and give a person a hug or sit down and have a you know a, a coffee with them or something and uh, that that's an extra challenge. But as I said earlier, like we just feel a lot of people had it a lot harder. Uh, I have a lot of friends that are like nurses and, and first responders and uh, yeah, like you know by all standards, we had it easy, right? We got to make yeah. a video game during an incredibly difficult time, and uh, you know words don't really describe how grateful we are for that opportunity and and. Uh, you know, just this just a chance to be able to do it in in a very difficult time. So yeah, overall, just very grateful we were able to to do it. That all said, let's hope that you don't have to contend with any sort of uh, pandemic the next the next time you decide uh, it's time to ship a game Absolutely. and just make yeah, life just I, that little I, bit easier. Yeah, if I never see a pandemic again, I'll be very happy. Yeah, fingers crossed. So it has been, as you said, seven to eight months since since the launch, and you've obviously outlined a little bit of what you've been up to in terms of dropping into streams, and I guess a little bit of that post launch stuff that always that is always part and parcel with releasing a game these days. Um, I'm sure you won't be able to get into any specifics for fairly obvious reasons, but have you started to pivot towards whatever whatever may be next, or is it still, for the most part, just disconnecting and, and unwinding and catching your breath? Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a bit of both. We, we have uh, spent some time... We're kind of like serial uh, idea kind of creator. Like, we're... When, one of the things we do is we go for long hikes and while hiking, we kind of like you discuss tell it. ourselves little, little <laughs> stories about like, Hey, what that, that over there looks like a great place for like a, a fortress or like, wouldn't it be owner who lived there? Like if you went back a thousand years, who was, you know, running around here and stuff. And so little stories of like adventures and, and uh, you know, moments and stuff like that is always kind of like something that, that Sarah and I are doing. And so that it's hard not to generate game ideas from that. Of course. Uh, and then also, yeah, like kind of taking a step back, uh, from under the end, um, and and kind of putting it in perspective, like what it was, what it wasn't, uh, understanding kind of feedback from fans. Like it, it's definitely been a polarizing game. Like uh, people really love it, or they kind of don't get it, and they think we're kind of nuts. 
uh, and that is uh, hard to sometimes put in perspective and know uh, you know who to listen to and who not to listen to. Um, but you know that's getting easier and easier as we have more, more time away from it. And so uh, yeah, we have some really solid ideas. Some ideas we're really excited about. Uh, we've kind of started doing some early kind of thinking on those. Uh, but it's also been a lot of like just getting used to. It sounds weird. Like six months doesn't seem like seems like more than enough time but getting used to like sleeping and not just always being on in terms of making something uh, no that's a huge adjustment still not yeah we're still not totally there yet and uh i think the holidays uh season like uh getting to be you know once everyone's vaccinated and and, and things have started to calm down in a serious way with the pandemic like really looking forward to connecting with family and friends again back home in canada and um you know spending some really quality time there i think that will be the the pivot that kind of lets us say, okay, you know, let's, let's go do the next thing uh, uh, for a number of reasons, right? There's, there's all these things that were kind of wrapped up and, and going on uh, as we were talking about, you know, off, off the, the chat, off the, off, off air, I guess yeah. you'd say, uh, you know, uh, they were going on at the time when under the end was shipping. And so uh, being able to kind of be around, you know, the people you love the most and kind of sh- talk through those things and kind of, uh, you know, see that everything's okay uh, uh, again, even though you know it is, but like as a human, I think being able to be right there with the person means a lot. And so that that's yeah, and when you haven't been able to do it for a long time, it's yeah, it's hard, especially Absolutely. especially when it's family. So I I don't blame you whatsoever. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, soak it up for as long as you can. I'm t- totally different circumstances, but uh, I mean, you mentioned sleep there, and that like I, I've got two really young ones, one that's nine months, <laughs> one that's two and a half, and is not having a good. He's not having a great time with his sleeping at the moment for a variety of reasons, and so I'm not having a great time with my sleep at the moment. So if if you're managing to get a whole bunch of catch up, well, I'm just looking on with envy at the moment. So soak that up for as long as you possibly can, as far as I'm concerned. Nice. Thank you very much. Um, and I mean, any any new projects? They'll they'll sort themselves out. As, as you mentioned, you're clearly not uh, struggling for ideas. Every time you go out, there's there's um, ideas bubbling along in the mind. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure something will come together very quickly and fa- fairly easily. And I'm sure the final product will be fantastic again. I, I, I have no doubt. So as we start, well, thanks to- a lot. Yeah, we're really excited. We. We have some cool ideas and, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of dig into it and get uh, get going again. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's right. Um, so as we start to wind things down, I'll just kind of cycle back to you specifically as opposed to the game. Is there anyone out there that you work worked with or um, have uh, currently work with? Or I mean, I feel like there's one fairly obvious answer here um, that really inspires you and in the way you go about your work? Or even someone that you look well, at I mean, from afar? I mean, other than... Well, Sarah, for sure. I yeah. mean, uh, Sarah yeah, that was I the think, obvious uh, one. <laughs> you know, we're, we're bouncing ideas back and forth from each other all the time. And uh, it's really not, like Sarah's not nearly the game nerd I am. Yeah. And so uh, she looks at she's much more like she studied art history. And so, you know, she she uh, she looks at the world in a very different, not very different, but she looks at games in a different way than I do. And yes. so uh, oftentimes I'll have an idea and she will, she will have a very opposite idea. And that's very refreshing because I think that's where good ideas come from. Uh, you know, outside of, uh, you know, Sarah and I, uh, I, I really had a lot of fun and, and really hope I can work uh, again with our sound designer, uh, Francesco Omeglio. He, uh, he, he's in Italy. Uh, he, I, he's, I think he's a very brilliant guy, uh, really great uh, sound designer, uh, great musical talents. And, uh, you know, he, he, his, his big thing is like he, he's very, 
to me, he's like a pure artist, like where I can get very like tied up in uh, what people think about the work I did. He's just like, yeah, you know, don't worry about it. Just go make something else. Uh, or go, you know, go outside and go read a book and don't worry about this technology. It'll, it'll come to you, you know, it, once you, you come talk. back to it. So that actually, that really helps uh, a lot outside of, um, you know, people that I work with on Under the End, uh, like people I really respect and, and like what they're doing in the industry. Um, I think Jonathan Blow does a lot of great work. Yep. Uh, I think he uh, is maybe a little bit misunderstood by some people, but I, because he, he can be very direct and blunt. Uh, but I, I like what he does and I like what, you know, his commentary on games in general. Uh, yeah, there, you know, there, there's like, I, I just saw a, an interview with uh, Quentin Tarantino and, and Bill Maher and, uh, you know, they were talking about ideology versus art and uh, fact. And sometimes ideology is, is, you know, taking too much of a hold. And, and you know, Tarantino has some interesting opinions on that. I, I, I yep. respect him as an artist and his boldness. And, uh, you know, I don't agree with everything he says, but uh, I think that there's something to be, said for you know sticking uh by your creative rationale while still always listening to feedback and i think that's very important no i think um, it's probably important for anyone like you as you said you don't necessarily have to agree with everything that someone says but you, you yeah. pass through what yeah. they say and and pick out what is important and valuable to you and that's right absolutely i don't think there's anything like the, i don't I'm sure there's a few, one or two historical figures that we might want to just dismiss everything they've said, but for the most, for the most part, <laughs> right, right. Um, for the most part, everyone's like there's there's a nugget of something in there that's useful for all of us, and it's just a matter of passing through the things that we don't agree with and don't necessarily value, and and take that one or two really valuable things and build that into the way we perceive the world. I think it's really valuable stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what other guys? I I really think Villeneuve is a brilliant movie maker. Uh, like Arrival, uh, I really enjoyed as a movie. Uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting the release of Dune. Uh, yep. uh, you know, and I hope it, it comes out well. I hope it's not too safe. Uh, I think he got burnt a little bit by Blade Runner in terms of. It, I think it was a great movie, but I don't think it was a box office success. And so I think when you try and take on a franchise like Dune, I think there's a lot of pressure to make it. His baggage. You know, yeah, everything for everyone kind of thing. And so you know, I, I hope he can resist that. Although I, I know it's hard. Uh, I get a lot of inspiration from Christopher Nolan. I think he does great work. I, I think Tenet, uh, well, although I'm not sure it was, I think it might have been a better book than a movie uh, because I think there's some of the nuance maybe got lost in the in the film. I think it was incredibly brave to make that movie. Uh, and I think it's wonderful that that movie is out there. Uh, I, Sarah and I watch a lot of indie films and, and, and uh, you know, so that's great. Uh, Sarah got me a really cool book for my birthday by John Harris. I don't know if you know him. He's, a, he's kind of a sci-fi uh, illustrator i think i know I the name but i wouldn't that. have been able to give you any details i often flip through his book and and uh, get a lot of inspiration from that so uh yeah you know and and really I, I guess the biggest thing is is just you know being out there in nature talking to people uh and really you know trying to anytime i meet someone i, I try to uh it, kind of, it sounds weird but like experience for them you know and, and take their perspective and understand what they're trying to say about life and uh, you know, the things they, especially older people, I think they've seen more than I have. They know more than I have. Our neighbors here are, are uh, an older couple and, uh, you know, they definitely are much wiser and know a lot more than, than I do. Or, or yeah, they're Sarah not to does. be dismissed. Just, yeah, just sitting and listening to them, you know, is incredibly valuable, I find. Uh, and so I try to do that whenever I can. No, that's fantastic. And I guess given everything we've discussed and you kind of touched on it a little bit at the end there, um, 
the fact that the two of you get out as much as you can, like taking inspiration from from nature and the world itself, must be incredibly valuable as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you know, it's the, like just getting out and like just staring at a tree, which sounds weird, but you know, there's just so much complexity but beauty in nature. I think it's uh, you know, I think that in today's day and age, we don't spend as much time outside. Uh, definitely not as much as we did, you know, um, uh, when we had to live outside and we had to kind of fend for ourselves. And I think that uh, in, in many ways, I think games are trying to fill the void of hunting, gathering, building shelter, you know, making tough decisions. Uh, sure. And that's great, you know, but it's also great to kind of get outside and experience some of that stuff firsthand uh, because as, as good as games are, they're still not a perfect, uh, you know, match to really being out there in the world. And so I think that balance is important. And whenever we can, we try to do that. And we're lucky in being in California for the moment that it, most of the time it's, it's nice enough to get out there. Uh, and we can, you know, we can, uh, we can enjoy it, uh, you know, without, without having to worry about crazy snowstorms and stuff like that. Like I might have to in Canada. So, uh, yeah, we take advantage of that whenever we can. Yeah. Understood. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great luxury to have. Absolutely. Have there been any really valuable lessons or experiences that have kind of stuck with you from the journey so far? Hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. There's definitely been quite a few lessons. I think, uh, you know, I think we spent a lot of time, uh, what, this is kind of top of mind stuff. So what are, like, I think we spent a lot of time second guessing ourselves and I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, in retrospect, I think we, we, uh, we should have, we could have been, you know, more confident and, and kind of just go forward to things. So I think to anyone trying to do this, I would say like, believe in yourself, uh, keep doing, doing things. Don't, don't, you know, don't second guess yourself too much. Uh, I think, you know, be really careful with the people you work with and don't work with, uh, you know, respect yourself enough to, to go it alone, uh, you know, until you really need help, but also be wise enough to know when you're not good enough at something. Uh, I think that's an important balance to strike, although, although a hard one, uh, you know, I, I, uh, other big like lessons, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just be humble, keep making things, uh, you know, keep trying, uh, focus on the journey. I think is probably the biggest one, maybe more than the end result. Yep. Uh, you can't, you have no control really over the, or very little control over the end result. Uh, even if it seems like you're going to get one result early on, you may not get it. So don't set expectations based on kind of where you think you are. You're like, just enjoy what you're doing, put everything you can into that. And, uh, you know, whatever comes, comes, will be, will be. you know, yeah. learn, yeah, learn from it and then do, uh, you know, do more, uh, going forward and, and make a better thing. Uh, every time you try to do something, you know, make something better or, at least uh, equally as distinct and, and uh, inspired. So, yeah, I think that would be the biggest one. No, that's fantastic. A couple of little curly ones as we start to wrap things up. If you could be credited for any game in any capacity, so retroactively go back and add your name into the credits for something, what game would you like to have been somehow involved in? Hmm, that's a good one. I uh, these, aren't, these aren't really famous names, but I really that's would fun. have loved to work on... Uh, I, I mean, I would have loved to have made Another World or Out of This World. Uh, I think Eric Chai, I don't know if I'm saying his last name correctly, but I think he, he did a really great job with that, especially ahead of his time. I actually, more recently, I think Below uh, and Rain World, which are, are yep. more recent indie games, I think were brilliant. I think Super Meat Boy was a brilliant game. Uh, I would be very proud to have my name on any of those. I think Punch-Out is a great game, although kind of silly in terms of its uh, content and, and uh, definitely very stereotypical, you know, tropey kind of representation of people's cultures which are much more nuanced than that but i think mechanically it was very interesting yes uh so th those would be some of the games that you know uh i, I think i'd be very proud of that's some awesome choices on it. thanks uh 
And the last of kind of those curly ones, if you could go back and replay any game, so just strike it from your memory and get to play it again for the very first time, have all those revelatory moments again from scratch, whatever it happens, whatever they happen to be, what game would it be? That's an interesting one. Mm. Does throw some challenges, that one. Yeah, no, it does. Uh, it's a, that's a tough one. Because you get I, some people that talk about maybe their favorite game, for example, and just because it's their favorite, they just love to be able to play it again for the first time. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, you know, I guess it depends on the game a little bit, but those those experiences don't necessarily translate to, re, you know, replaying it for the first time. But, you know, 10 years on, for example, because your life right, circumstances right. might have changed, all that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, today I think I would, if I could replay below... Uh, blind I, I would I love I think they did a really masterful job of the atmosphere and I think that uh, you know Miyamoto is famous the guy who made or is credited yep. with making or driving Zelda you know it's kind of famous for this scent this this quote of like you know I tried to make Zelda this experience of if I walk into a cave and it's dark you know do I want to go left or right and I think uh, that feeling of being alone in a cave I think bloated better than a lot of games uh, and I, I know a ton of people thought it was too hard or unfair or whatever uh, but uh, I found that that was a really unique experience, and I don't think I've ever been like as tense and engaged in an experience, uh, at least in the last 15 years, than than I was in Below. And for me, it was really a masterpiece. So I think if I could wipe my my mind and go and watch that again, uh, play that again, I, I, I that would be the one. Awesome choice. <laughs> at least in this moment. Maybe if I have more time, I'll think differently. But no, that's yeah. Right. For now, definitely, definitely Below. Yeah. Well, Stephen, thank you very much for, for coming on and sharing the, the journey so far. And obviously the, the ideas are starting to come together for what might be uh, the next project. But who knows, maybe we'll be chatting in a few years about that. But um, thanks for so, mu so much for coming on and sharing the journey so far. If people are looking to see what you're up to slash the studio is up to, where would they be best to go? I think the best place is just Twitter. I spend uh, you know most of my time on, on Twitter. So uh, just Two Ton Studios, a numerical two and T-O-N, and then studios, um, I think is a great place to grab me. My, my DMs are open, so I'm always happy to chat. And, uh, you know, if you are a game dev or thinking about making a game, like, please feel free to ping me. I uh, love chatting about games and game design. Uh, and then I'll, we also have a Discord server. The link is, uh, is on my Twitter profile, so jump over there. And, again, always happy to chat. And if I have anything smart to say or any advice to give, I'm, I'm always... Uh, very willing to do that so oh look if, if this episode is anything to go by then you've got a lot of a lot of insight to share I've, I've really taken a lot from this and consider it incredibly valuable and it's been fascinating the whole time so thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing the journey so far well thanks so much I mean it's absolutely been a pleasure uh, it, it's uh, it, you know you, you clearly know what you're doing and talking about I appreciate all the, the research before we chatted uh, your questions were great and I, I just had a blast so uh, thanks so much uh, it was really a lot of fun for me too not a problem I'm glad you enjoyed it listeners thank you very much for listening as always and I'll see you next time bye bye That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Stephen's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.